Hello and welcome to the Women in Film and Television Ireland podcast. My name is Fiona Kinsla. I'm a Women in Film and Television board member and I'm also a producer at Jumper Productions and Tile Media. Director Sophie Hyde is making waves in the industry. A change maker in her field, her film Good Luck to You Leo Grant challenged ageist stereotypes and assumptions on the big screen. Women in Film and Television Chair, Dr. Susan Liddy, spoke with Sophie about her film, as well as her impressive career to date, crossing hemispheres in the process. I'm Susan Liddy, uh, Chair of WIFT Ireland and uh, Board Member of WIFT International. And I'm thrilled to have Sophie Hyde joining us this morning. I should acknowledge, of course, that Sophie has directed many fine films, such as Two Tuesdays and Animals. But in the relatively short space of time we have this morning, we're going to focus our conversation on Sophie's most recent film, Good Luck to You, Leo Grand. Members will know that uh, WIFT Ireland has focused quite a bit in the last 18 months on women ageing and the screen industries. It's something we're very concerned about. We're concerned about the lack of representation on screen. We're also very concerned about the minimal representation behind the camera of women over a certain age. And I myself as a researcher have worked in this particular area. So the whole lot has come together uh, to to make me very excited about this interview. Uh, Plus, genuinely, I watched the film. I loved the film. And I think it's a boundary breaking film. So. Thank you so much, Sophie. We're, we're, we're absolutely thrilled to have you. And I'll try and be careful not to be engaging in all sorts of uh, citing of various research because you bring a lot. Um, this film brings a lot, actually, for me to the table. OK, we, I suppose we've started to talk, maybe internationally, actually, too, about um, the, the difficulties that older women, in a way, have been left to one side. Um, big parts for a long time, the, you know, the mother pottering around the house sometimes nice roles but usually not driving the narrative and I suppose the film that is quite different in a number of ways but that comes to mind uh, when when I heard all the um the sort of uh talk about this Leo Grand film coming and and all that it was bringing is um Roger Mitchell's The Mother Uh, which was quite a different film and a much more earnest film, if you like, but nonetheless caused a lot of controversy back in, I think, 2003, because, uh, you know, Anne Reid was having uh, this relationship with um, Daniel Craig, actually, uh, who played the character. And now we have Leo Grand. We have two things wonderful here. We've got uh, Emma Thompson as an older female uh, character driving the film. Plus we have... Emma Thompson as a woman, you know, a sexual character who has her her sexual issues, who uh, is acknowledging uh, an older female sexual desire and so on. And you've got both those in one character. So to me, this is a a superb uh, thing. uh, And and congratulations. Can I ask you first, what what was it that... um, How did you come, I suppose, to kind of come upon this script, you know... was it was it love at first sight when you saw it? Were you feeling no? Is this a, a kind of a tricky subject to, to come at? Can you tell us a little bit about how it all began? Sure. Hi. Thank you. Yes, I will. Um, uh, it's so nice to be able to come and uh, talk about this in this way and think about it from this point of view. When the film, when the script came to me, look, I've always been interested in in kind of ideas of intimacy in particular and um, connection and. And, and looking at intimacy, particularly like when it comes to emotional intimacy and the sort of shifting nature of it, but also physical intimacy. So those things aren't scary to me. They're like, you know, exciting. You know, I want to be exploring those elements. And the idea of, you know, two people, one room, which is how this film was pitched to me, you know, an older woman, she wants to have good sex for the first time. Um, So she hires a sex worker and it's a film just with the two of them in one room. I mean, that sounds thrilling to me. Like straight away I'm going, okay, yes, all I want to do is kind of focus on the kind of navigate the emotional terrain between them and the landscapes of their bodies and their faces and the shifting power dynamic. Um, So those are the things that excited me. And, of course, Emma was already attached to it. So that was a thrilling idea. 
but truthfully, like it's a it's a challenging film to pull off. So at first I was a bit hesitant because it was kind of it was important that it was a comedy, but I also was really hesitant. You know, I didn't want it to be making fun of or laughing at. Um, and I certainly needed it to kind of go far enough and, and not play into a lot of tropes about A, older women and their sexuality and B, sex workers and kind of what is um, an appropriate narrative and drama around that. So these things were I was tentative about and it took me kind of going to the team and saying, well, these are the areas that I care about and want to do, you know, and, and feeling confident that they all want to do the same thing that made me kind of come at it. I didn't really think about the idea of an older woman, actually. I don't because I have this odd thing where I don't think of um, the character's age very much, and um, and I think I've always been a little bit like that. That that, um, it, but I did think about the fact that women in general are so so rarely kind of positioned as whole humans on screen, or. I hope increasingly so, but I feel like it's been distinctly lacking or anyone that's not a man, really, let's call it, um, has been distinctly lacking. And Emma always talks about, you know, Nancy's the kind of character that's never doing the interesting thing on screen. She's the person next to the person doing the interesting thing. And there's an idea, therefore, that that there are certain people that don't do anything interesting. And what I thought was really fascinating and brilliant about what Katie had decided to do was to give Nancy a very interesting choice that allows us to see how interesting she is instead of only seeing from the outside kind of what we expect someone like that to do. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, I think it's really interesting that in a way you were open to that idea, but in the broader sense of I'm, I'm interested in intimacy and characters and that you weren't a little nervous that you were you know, the, the other films that have, okay, you've got Nancy Myers' work, she has, she's kind of touched around uh, that, but in a completely different way. As I say, the mother was very controversial at the time. And it, so it's interesting to me that it didn't in a way dawn on you that this was um, something that, that wasn't out there and that maybe arguably mightn't, mightn't work or might be ridiculed. I think it's interesting coming back to what you were saying though earlier, because I think a lot of films that are there about um, older women um, and, 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 you know, having sex or being involved sexually on screen, they do take uh, a, a comedic turn uh, with the mother obviously is not, would not be um, a part of that, but, but most others. And it's, and I think it's interesting because Leo Grant is a very upbeat, fun, witty, smart film, but it it doesn't do what 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 you mentioned there. It doesn't laugh. It doesn't demean. It doesn't um, it doesn't sort of try to avoid looking at the issues by making us laugh, so that part of us can say, "Oh, it's just a bit of fun." Do you know what I mean? So there are quite serious issues underneath, even though it's really enjoyable. It's a fine line to walk, actually, because. You know, I didn't want to be laughing at Nancy and yet she's funny and the things that she's going through are funny and they should be because it, we're all funny. We're all messy, weird creatures that, that are very enjoyable if you really look at us. You know, um, so I wanted that. But it's hard because, because you also need it to be funny because otherwise you'll be really sad for Nancy if you start that movie in the place that she actually is. And I struggled a little bit to connect with Nancy at the beginning. I was like, oh, she's very abrasive, all the things I love about her now. But, you know, I, I struggled a little bit with her, you know, and it took me a while to kind of come at her. Um, and and so it would be easy to kind of ridicule. I think a lot of stuff about older women and their sexuality is like, we, it's like cougar and or it's like, oh, my God, imagine if you could ever want that desire, like find that desirable because... We love to think of desire as something that other people have for women, not that women have. And that's like a really crucial kind of difference. Like how could we find them attractive, you know, because they pass their use by date because women are apparently only valuable as a kind of sexual commodity, right? Underlying all of that is, is, is that. Um, so it was a line to walk though because it was like, okay, how do we not make people laugh at Nancy all the time how do we understand that we can feel with her but how do we also not make her tragic a tragic figure to be pitied and um and and luckily we had a, a woman like Emma Thompson who who navigates that stuff very smoothly 
um, as an actor in that role. Yeah. Know? And, and if, I suppose, you know, off screen, we're we're all kind of conscious of Emma Thompson being a particular kind of character, quite an outspoken character about women on screen. And so in a way, you know, she underpins Nancy in the sense of her going, but this is this is Nancy, but it's also Emma Thompson. We're just getting that uh, th- that sort of sense of real world Emma Thompson. Um, interesting because a lot of people have an idea of Emma that is like she doesn't take her clothes off much, she doesn't do much sexual stuff, like that she's kind of like, you know, that that although she's outspoken, she's never, you know, I don't even know what the word is, but all these things that we think are positive because she's, but actually she is a whole lot of things, like anybody you can take multitudes like and and the idea that she's positioned all the time into kind of one singular idea is is silly but you you're right like you're not watching it going she's a boring person I don't think there is something about the Emma in there that kind of helping us speak yes yes yeah yeah and 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 Sophie the chemistry between uh Emma and uh Darren McCormack is it's it's really uh something isn't it and and um to try the film probably works because of that chemistry. I mean, if it was somebody, if it wasn't the chemistry there, uh, it wouldn't hold you. I think quite so much. It makes it, it makes it so much easier for the audience to go in when there's this wonderful chemistry. He is also a great creation as a character, isn't he? He's witty. He's charming. He's funny. He's got a whole lot of baggage underneath as well. He's not the kind of typical male lead in many ways. Can you talk a little bit about, about him as a character and also about how you said Emma was attached when you came to the film. Was Daryl a later attachment and were you part of that casting process at all? Yeah. Daryl came on really late in the film, luckily for us. Um, and look, the character of Leo, it was really important the way the film had been conceived, it was really important that he could play into a kind of fantasy. So he has been chosen to be a fantasy. And I think that there is a kind of expectation that he'll fulfill on that. And of course, that there'll then be kind of something that he uncovers, you know, um, in 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 past or whatever. And the tropes of the sex work film would be that, A, he's either had a terrible way in or he's abused in some way and still is in kind of sex work, or B, that he can save her somehow or see that she can save him. And particularly that they might fall in love with each other a la Pretty Woman. Um, um, And so you're kind of going into it knowing that. So he has to come into the room and be somebody that could be chosen as a fantasy and can present as a fantasy. For Daryl and I, it was really important that, um, that, that he's actually working very hard to be that fantasy, that although he's beautiful and he looks great and he can move and all of those things, that he is looking and, and reading Nancy all the time to work out what it is that she wants, what it is that she needs. And in his attempts to be good at his job, that's where the beauty of that character is for me, you know. Um, I very much like that he can appear as a kind of straight woman's fantasy and yet underneath be kind of, not the kind of masculinity that we are so bored of on screen, not just playing into an idea of kind of a man who will come in and throw her against the wall and kind of be everything she's always needed somehow, but but be a man who challenges her with other things that are gentle and hopeful and interesting and thoughtful. And, um, and so it was really crucial to us as well that we kind of started to reveal that early. So the beginning, he is performing, you know, he's performing and he has a, has a, even a kind of uniform on. And, but when she first leaves the room, you know, he's like taking off his clothes. Oh, is this the right position? Is this the right, you know, it's really important to show straight away that even though, you know, you might be feeling with Nancy at that point, that he is, he is attempting all of this too, because the goal of a movie like this is to, is to share that point of view between them and to share the way that each of them feels, not to kind of be on a singular journey. Um, so, yeah, Daryl came in quite late because we had another actor in and they left quite late in the piece and it meant that we started to look at some actors who we may not have had a chance to look at before. And, um, I mean, Daryl, I remember when, he, when we, he did a read for us and I met him and then eventually he met Emma. Um, it was just like, 
I just there's this gentleness in Daryl and this thoughtfulness that was something I was really looking for without exactly knowing what it was in the character of Leo. And so in casting him, that character even was able to shift more and kind of expand out a little bit more. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's interesting, actually. Yeah, I think it's, of, you know, as you say, he's he's kind of performing and all of that, presenting himself. I, I thought it was amusing, you know, the Mars bar. He had to think of the Mars bar and all that. She's coming out saying, I, I don't want you to do that and so on. Um, in a way, it's sort of... Um, it's puncturing a lot of the sort of baggage around uh, romantic sex. I think it's it's kind of uh, uh, getting to the heart of what sex is or, or should be in a way, um, uh, and uh, and sort of um, I don't know, showing us uh, holding it up in a way. Uh, some of the some of the rituals we have around it are not particularly useful ones. I think. Um, but for all the banter and good humor early on, and I mean, I think from the moment <clears throat> it started, I, I just knew um, I was going to like it. Tonally, it's it's perfect. I, I think you, that balance you're talking about, I mean, you just get that spot on. Um, so, but the credentials of the film, in a way, are established in the lightest way from the very get-go, where I, I don't know, is, did he tell her she's sexy or something, but she pulls him up and he asks if if um, if he means sexy for her age, which I just think is just, there's so much in there that's tapping in on all kinds of things that older women will talk to you about privately and say, oh, this drives me crazy. I remember um, uh, a female academic telling me one time <clears throat> that in class, it was just amazing to her the way the young men were gravitating as she delivered her lecture. And yet out on the street one day, one of those particularly attentive young men passed her and didn't even see her on the street. The invisibility thing, do you, do you know what I mean? And so so, so a lot of these issues are, are very clear to, to, to older women, but um, it's great to see them unpicked on the big screen, I think. Really great. Yes, interesting stuff. Very interesting things because, I mean, I could talk about this for a long time, but that invisibility thing is, is it's so interesting how much people speak about that, but also how much it implies that actually our value still is in place in, in us being desirable to other people for most of our lives and therefore that's a loss um, rather than what men get to have, which is that most of their life there's a neutral thing where they're valued for many, many more things rather than just that. And so they don't lose that, they don't, they don't have that loss in the same way. And, and so that's a much bigger, deeper conversation, I think, about that. Because perhaps the issue is, is kind of that we, we, we do that to women. We place their value as something to be desired. And therefore, when that is taken away, it's the same as when we call, when someone is known for being pretty or, or sexy, that there's such a big loss from from not feeling like that or being called something else. Mm. I mean, yeah, yeah, definitely. And of course, the the issue there too is that over time, without one realizing it, we're internalizing all these things. You know, so it's not that you can logically say this is why. It's just you're soaking it up, aren't you, from the ether? Yeah, absolutely. We we. When Nancy at the beginning of the film is looking in the mirror, she is looking at herself as something to be looked at. And that's how we look at ourselves. We look at ourselves as our image for somebody else. Do you know? And at the end, I hope she's looking at herself in a yes, very different way. Indeed, quite differently. Yes. But to go back to her character, because you know, we talked about, okay, you know, it's it's not playing for laughs. This film is not playing for laughs. And it's got that that gorgeous mix, as you say, of of um there's sadness there about, about the past, because if you actually, you know, listen to what she was saying, essentially she has lived a life that hasn't delivered many of the, of the things that she wanted with her husband, you know, indeed her description of him, it sounds as if he's not having much of a a life either because he's got uh, preconceptions also. Um, uh, A lot of lost dreams, lack of fulfillment and all that kind of thing. Thing. So, yes, I mean, I suppose if you were to say to someone, all of these things are there. At the same time, they sit very lightly, though. They're there. There's a poignancy, I would say, rather than a tragedy. There's a poignancy to that. Uh, I don't find her pathetic character in any way. And yet she could have been, though, Sophie. She could have been kind of pathetic, but she's not. And I think part of that is because she's got like she's, she's got a particular kind of strength. 
Even now, uh, she's not prepared to let her life slip away without grabbing what she needs. So actually, there's that superb mix of vulnerability and strength in, in Nancy. Yeah. Uh, and obviously I mean, uh, carried off beautifully by Emma Thompson, obviously. It's an amazing thing to do to make a decision like this at a point where you're like you've you've let go of something in your life or you have been filled in a way. That's a character that you want to watch because you know we we all kind of fall into the trap of of sort of feeling like it's too late, you know, in some form or something. Um, so it's a wonderful thing to watch. I think we knew that we needed to make this kind of lightness of film, like this fun and enjoyable and pleasurable movie to watch. But I do remember the very first read-through um, where and we got to the bit at the end of the first meeting where Emma's, where Nancy um, is talking about the kind of relationship we had, she had with a young man in Greece, the moment Greece, the past. And Emma cried. Emma, Emma started crying and she was like, I did not know that I was going to cry in that moment. And uh, it was a... So what was going on for us was like finding a really deep, rich, very strong purpose and like ideas about things that we really cared about, but never letting that take over, like always enjoying the banter and the fun of it as well, knowing that we have to not necessarily be dark all the time or um, all of those things. Yes. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. Um was Emma was Emma had read the script in advance of you coming on is is that right she she was attacked it was a very different the script changed a lot over the time yes but she she had read the script because she knows Katie Brand who's the writer and um Katie had written it for Emma and Emma I believe when she first read the script really really was so taken with the role of Nancy and and a role that she felt was really missing in the kind of on-screen conversation and and she just felt really driven to, to yeah. tell it. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's interesting, you know, I mean, even, even um, I, I've spoken to writers who, when presenting scripts to uh, development executives, for instance, would have um, maybe a, a woman of 50-something having a kiss. And in the most subtle way, the suggestions are sometimes made. Do we actually need that? You know, do people want to see older people? You know, do they want to see that from an older woman? Or in some cases, uh, did you think of making uh, that character a bit younger? So those things are actually uh, spoken of. Now, you know, maybe we're going through some change, but if you think about the storm that was met with Kate Winslet's sex scenes in... uh, Mayor of Easttown, you know, Winslet is only what in her mid forties. I mean, and she's Kate Winslet with all of that beauty baggage with her. Uh, and no matter how, I mean, and it was a wonderful role and a wonderful piece. Don't get me wrong, but I think the fact that there was so much kind of talk and excitement about, oh, this is a breakthrough for older women, um, it shows you just how how. Um, what kind of a desert we were working in. Do you know what I mean? Because in fact, um, the role of Nancy is so much uh, so much different, uh, so much more a boundary breaking than, than that uh, in so many ways. Um, that really things were, things were, and I mean, we're talking now as if the world is going to change overnight and I hope it does. But I mean, it's still, it's still a hard slog, I think, to get a film like this out there and financed. I mean, did were there any were there any sort of um, you know difficulties for you? Were there any kind of people tutting and wondering if it would take? Um, did you meet with any resistance? Because you're coming across like as if there was no resistance, which I'm thrilled about. But I'm wondering what the reality on the ground was uh, as you tried to finance this. There was no resistance, and the reason is is that Emma Thompson is a woman who. Um, wants to make a change and decides to be that change. And truly, like, she is that person. So for her to suggest that she would do this role in a small independent movie um, and go as far as she would with it meant that it would be financed. I mean, it's financed at really quite a low budget, you know. These are not financed at the kind of level that sort of other films are. Um, but it is it, it is because of Emma, you know. Um, and... Um, and that's because she she 
truly believes in it. Like she truly believes in what you're talking about and and other things as well about that. I mean, the Kate Winslet situation was just also just shows you how rarely we've seen untreated bodies on screen. I mean, and we're talking about untreated of the top percentage of ideal bodies in the world, not untreated of everybody. And one of the things that strikes me is you walk down the street and everybody looks so different and strange and wonderful and whatever they are. Nobody looks like anyone on screen. I mean, nobody. I mean, the fact that, I mean, no wonder we all feel so terrible about ourselves. I mean, it's just ideal that has been kind of presented is is unreasonable, even to the people that are, you know, quite remarkably um, in the ideal. Um, it doesn't work. What's interesting is, great, there used to be a synopsis that said 55-year-old widow, um, Nancy Stokes, blah, blah, blah does something and I in the shoot you know Emma and I were talking and I was like why is she 55 in this thing and well no let's take that out like she should be Emma's age which was 62 at the time and is 63 now um and or we don't mention that we just say a retired school teacher so you know we changed it all and that synopsis that 55 year old woman comes up everywhere and it grates on me everywhere I get like really why? Why is she 55 is very young to be retired school? You know, like I, it grates on me and yet it continues to be picked up. And one thing that I find really interesting is how often men say to me, I actually really liked this film. Um, do you know what? Like I, I loved this film. Like, do you know what? I really didn't think it was for me. I saw the trailer. I just I didn't think it would be for me. These are smart, interesting men of all ages, right? Particularly I found it with young men, who some of whom are very good friends of mine, who have said, um, honestly, I was a bit like, is this going to be for me at all? And I love it so much. It's like, well, you know, brave about it. And I think, oh, really? Is that where we're at? We're at a point where even men are even still comfortable to admit that they saw a film that they thought was about an older woman and therefore thought it wasn't for them. And that disappoints me so much because I've grown up watching things and identifying with men um, of all ages on screen as a, as, as a kind of deep identification because that's what I was taught to do as a viewer. And so the idea that you go, well, because I am not like this person, I don't relate. If, if I, not only that you have that, but you're so comfortable to voice that, even to the, the filmmaker, kind of blows my mind. Like, really? You're going to tell me that now? Like, yes, yeah. yes. Oh, no. I, 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 I agree, and, it, and it's all around, and I completely agree about this age thing. It's like, first, you know, the, the, there's a thing, there's a kind of an age it's, a, it's like as if there's a fixed age that, okay, we can kind of mention that age, but really don't bring us anywhere else. So, so for instance, that you casually read things now, um, oh, this is a golden age for women over 40. You, you know, the, so over 40 has now become a thing, it's okay. And maybe if you're in your early 40s, you're okay. But as you move down the line, uh, you know, the representation becomes very much narrower. And as you say, it's like, we don't want to say the age because of, of what? The connotations of the older female body. Is, is it that? Um, I, I mean, if you think back to Madonna, for instance, uh, in the day before she, you know, uh, completely changed her appearance. I mean, she was absolutely, no matter her popularity, she was literally abused in the press, focusing on her hands uh, a disdain, um, you know, oh, you're a bit old for that, you know, the, the tabloid headlines, you know, showing your bits, put them away and all this kind of stuff. She did get dreadful abuse in the press. And it was all centred around an attack on the older female body, finding something to slur, um, uh, you know. So it's it's with us. It's 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 in the water we're swimming in, um, but but luckily, I mean, there are breakthroughs, and th- and this is a, a larger one. As one researcher, Imelda Whelan, and I'm paraphrasing her now, so I hope I'm not saying it, uh, doing this wrong. But she had a great phrase like, "When you're over, when women are over a certain age on on screen, they're expected to vanish into a dismal, neutered future," which is really true if you think about it, and certainly. Uh, uh, Nancy uh, uh, and Emma um, 
uh, sort of put the uh, uh, put a change on that and at this time um I do think so also the part of the funniness is is um you know her her role as a, a teacher made it so you know the fact that she was a retired teacher in the way that she did that list you know that kind of you know the list and uh, Daryl saying, well, we could make a significant dent on it, you know, when we start with the blowjob. I mean, it was it was really funny, Sophie, even now I'm thinking back. But, you know, how core, I mean, I know you're saying in terms of the financing, of course, but Emma Thompson just is a great actress. And she just, isn't she in this role? She, she quips the banter. She just has that wonderful ability uh to be humorous and straight as well she's you must have been thrilled with with her when she arrived kind of packaged in the film did that kind of lift your your spirits when you saw she's attached to the script for sure but that I, it's not enough to make me want to do it i mean i i would it's enough to make me want to want to do it um, um but um look she is an exceptional actor and she is an exceptional person. And those two things combined, you know, are really remarkable. You know, she's very smart. So working with her is really a thrill, do you know. Um, I remember, though, like we, we knew each other by this point because we'd done a lot of work together, but you never really know what is going to be the case, you know, what it's going to be like to work with someone who is a star, essentially, because they have a lot of power. Do you know, there's a lot of power in them. And even as a director, you walk into a room and you, you're not sure which way that will go. Um, and it could go well and you could just not quite agree and it would go badly for you, you know. And um, so we came into, we had a good week of rehearsals and we'd been, Daryl and I had been working quite consistently before that on the script and then doing some script work. And then um, we all got together in Norwich to, to start rehearsals and, it was great. Like we straight away kind of all got along very well, but there's still that moment you walk into the room and I have a very detailed rehearsal process and I like to shut the door and no one else is really around. And it's really annoying for the crew and everything because I'm like, this is, if you'll only give me a week, then I, I can't do anything else because it's so important. And um, so we kind of get into this little bubble world, you know, it's a lockdown in Norwich at the time and um, we're in this little bubble and you're not sure how it's going to go. So, But Emma, firstly, just walks in. She's in her dungarees, you know. She's got no affectations at all. And she's like, let's go. She's basically like, let's lay on the floor, like, I'll trace my body. You do. Like, she absolutely accepts with a gusto, like, the work that you're offering. And what I, you know, what you find is that actors like that, there's an idea that they're just going to walk in and um, they're just going to walk in and know what to do. And they can because they've been trained to. Like Emma could have walked onto that set and done a version of Nancy and been absolutely beautiful and it would still be beautiful and you would watch it all. But what she's looking for, like all of us are, is, is actually that level of collaboration where you're really working together to, to unlock something. And um, so it was only once we really started to work that, that really what we were seeing was like, okay, this is thrilling and this is um exactly where we want to go and the combination of the two of them the chemistry that you talk about which is you know partly um natural partly created partly work partly in the way it's made like all of those things kind of gets to be unlocked um so yeah I consider it one of the great moments of collaboration of anything I've done just like how exciting and brilliant it was but it also is like anyone working with all of the best collaborators that you do in any role. Do you know they're there with you, like ready to challenge you, ready to like be supported by you? Um, she is like that, you know? Mm. Yeah. And um, I read somewhere, is this the case, Sophie, that there was no intimacy coordinator? And we hear a lot about intimacy coordinators nowadays. And in fact, anybody who kind of goes, well, Sean Bean was in the press a lot recently for saying, well, I don't, you know, need one and so on. Uh, did it ever come up? What's the story? Um, so funny. I mean, I love Sean Bean, but what a funny thing to say. Like, like you know, oh, I like. I don't feel like it takes away the spontaneity. I mean, the truth of all of that is there is that so many people, and a lot of them are women, but all sorts of people, 
have been high, heavily abused in our industry with this stuff and, like, have been mistreated and, um, and you know, without it even being a big deal for a long time. And so, I mean, all, you know, I understand where he might have been coming from, but he's failing to recognise how that has felt for so many other people in that situation, I think. And for me, like... The idea of an intimacy coordinator is brilliant and wonderful and I, I would almost always, it's, it's, it's easier for me to have an intimacy coordinator and we did talk to someone on this who was just an absolute amazing woman. Um, the thing is that if it was more people, we would have needed one. In this instance, like I already work quite strongly with kind of ideas of consent and, and um, that kind of stuff. And when I, with only the two of them and with them both being so able to be so frank and open and trusting with me as well, we decided together that we didn't need to do that. And then I became an annoyingly, um, uh, annoying, I'd check in with them annoyingly often, do you know, about how they were all the time. But but I, I do have a very strong take on consent and, and it is in the work, but it was also with the actors, which is, you know, that, that like having sex, the actors also need to have kind of consistent and enthusiastic consent throughout what you're doing. It can't just be like, I said yes, but now I don't feel like it, so I'll just bite the pillow. No, that's not how it works. It has to be that they are always feeling like they're ready to do it. And if that feeling falters, you talk enough, you talk through what the purpose is enough that they make the choice of, of where their boundary is for that moment and for what you want to create together. That's easier with an intimacy coordinator because you can ask for more without checking on the actors in the same way because the intimacy coordinator can do that. When it when it's like this, it's like that's all of our responsibility to each other and mine more than anybody's to kind of consistently check that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, no, no, that, that's interesting to hear. And, and, in fact, you're just, you know, again, you're, you're reminding me there that there's there's the two of them with the exception of you know towards the end you know when this uh, a student of hers arrives yeah isn't it extraordinary that you are glued to this film where yeah. there are really two people in there in the normal course of events if you were to say that to someone well there was a film with you know about two people that's oh that's a play i mean that would be your that's not a movie is it what, do you believe it's down to the script? Was there ever any trepidation on your part? Oh, my God, are we going to be able to, to keep an audience glued to two people for all that length of time? Why do you think it worked so well? Apart from your brilliant direction, of course, Sophie. <laughs> I um, People often ask about, you know, it, should, it could have been a script, they say, or, um, or ask about it being a play. I, I don't think it would be a very interesting play personally, but that's because I'm a filmmaker. So my my form and what I think of is um, is cinema, you know. Um, and so for me, the kind of point of view is very distinct uh, that that is required, which is that and and the feeling that you need to feel with the characters. So um, I like to think of I think of that scene, you know, where Nancy says. Um, can you take your top off? And then she says, can I touch you? And then he takes his top off and we're, and we're looking at him. And there's a feeling that, um, you know, if you stu stood back and just watched that moment, I'd be thinking a lot of things about objectification and, and a whole lot of stuff and, and, and kind of watching a woman feel something for a man and feel something for his body. In a film, what you get to do is, is see her experience that feeling of wanting to touch him and see him experience the feeling of being touched and what that means to her and what he's seeing so you should be feeling with both of them and you know we do that in the film through the very excellent work of our cinematographer Brian and our sound designer Steve Fanagan and our composer Stephen Rennix who kind of all combine to kind of kind of take the world away and do a whole lot of things to allow you to feel with both of those characters to me, that's almost impossible to be in a play. A play is like very different to that, you know, and um, and that point of view that, and that intimacy that you can find in cinema is, is why I think films should be seen in a cinema, you know, um, and why they're there. Um, I can't even remember your question now because I'm like got too involved in my... What, what I suppose I'm saying is if someone told you there's a movie on and um, it's really two people in a room, if you, if you said that to a lot of people, I think 
people might go, just two people in a room for the whole movie? So how, like, what combination of things makes it work so well? Mm, all combination is yes, the thing. It's everything. And it's, um, you know, it's like the we did have these exceptional people, those three people that I mentioned and Mirana production designer who all just do this very delicate work to kind of maintain interest and beauty um, and a shifting perspective like that across a film and trust, you know, part of that in terms of shooting it for um, Brian, the cinematographer, is like trusting at times where the actors and their faces can just be lit beautifully that you will stay with them, but also knowing that you need to move things at times and that you need things to shift and change. So, yes, some of it is the script, of course, and like, now, like managing that kind of tightrope of, of kind of power play and when they get close and when they don't. And part of it is, you know, allowing for moments of pleasure for the audience and kind of or like moments of suspense or anticipation, like all of those. But it doesn't surprise me because I think when I think of two people in a room, I don't think of um, just two people sitting there with the very kind of static camera. I think of all of the intricacy that goes on in a conversation between two people, you know. Um, yeah, and I'd rather look at two people's faces and bodies than almost anything else. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. yeah. So you, 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 you're, I can see your take on things and your, your fascination with human nature in a way, with, with engagement between people um, mm -hmm. uh, coming through there. Um, we talked a little bit about uh, the research uh, that, that's out there on older women on screen. And, you know, I suppose what's been said is, unlike the rest of, uh, uh, unlike cinema generally, and unlike many, many, um, many perspectives uh, and many, um, I suppose, approaches to women, um, the older female body is actually not to be looked at. That's, that's in fact, culturally uh, where we're at. Um, and so I was watching the film and very much enjoying a lot of those um, stereotypes being crushed throughout in, in the most enjoyable way. <clears throat> and uh, of course, I knew that in most films, no matter what you look at, you, uh, you know, you've got, uh, if you see, certainly if an older woman has had sex, there's, a, you know, a cutaway to afterwards and the and then a sheet usually strategically draped um over her and, and so on um and i was enjoying the film and, and my expectation was that this was going to be the case here and yet those codes were not employed in this film um it was unexpected i have to say to see uh, emma thompson's character nancy uh, in her nakedness uh, towards the end of the film and really uh not just, you know, in a way for the male gaze, not any of that, but I think it, it was important in and of itself. And I think it's important, it was important narratively, wasn't it? Because, you know, it's it's actually expressing that that arc, that character arc and the, and and her life going forward. Um, can you can you talk about was was there ever a question that Emma was not going to in fact um do that scene? Was, was it always part of it that she was going to remove all her clothes? No, no, it was not there. Like um, the original script only had three meetings and there was no sex scene in it. There was no orgasm and there was no body stuff. So um, definitely not. I mean, Emma didn't sign on to it with the idea that that was going to be the case. Um, and when we came to the idea of the ending with the, her fully naked body, I mean, I think by that point, Em probably already had the idea that she was going to do sex scenes and she actually was really up for that, you know. Um, but when it came to that kind of end, we always had, you know, said to her, we can do this in many ways. I mean, we can shoot that shot thinking that Nancy's looking at herself without Emma looking, Emma being, you know, there's so many ways to, to film that sort of stuff. Um, but she was ready to do that because we had kind of got on the same page with what, what we believed was important about the character. And, and one of the biggest things was, you know, that, that Nancy accesses some a pleasure in herself, you know, that she also um, finally recognises that her body is, is there for, all, you know, and has done all these incredible things in her life and has carried her through her life and isn't actually there, um, you know, that... <laughs> 
I guess that the most important thing about her body is not how it looks to somebody else. And that is um, something that was really important for Nancy to have that realization. And so it was really important for Emma to embody that feeling, the feeling that she is looking at herself without holding herself, without judgment of herself, without trying to look different or better, um, or even trying to look any particular way, you know, that the, the character of Nancy is able to see her body as something to be, not something to be that. And um, so Emma has, has a strong kind of belief in that to do that, except I always did say to her, like, even once we get to the edit suite, we, we can take that out. You know, if you don't feel comfortable, if you don't feel like you want that, I mean, actors, they, they use their bodies in the service of the work all the time. And but that doesn't mean that they have to always show everything to do that. Uh, that was kind of uh, packed together. And that was the same for Daryl, too, with all of those scenes. It was like, you know, it was really important to us that, you know, we have nakedness that isn't always about being sexy. Yes, Absolutely. Um, and, and, and they both really wanted to do that, but they both always knew that it was possible to change that. So those things were, were crucial. Um, but by that point, Emma was, like, in, and the sex scenes weren't that hard. They were actually fantastically, you know, fun to do. And I think they were like, oh, finally, we're not having to talk. We just lay around being naked and we're having the best time. And, like, they were so happy to do those scenes by then because we're doing a huge long days and 19 days straight of, of dialogue basically so they were so thrilled um but yeah it, it, in those instances like you can have an idea of what's perfect and then you have an actor and like all things the two things come together to kind of form what the film will be and and never one should trump the other you know apart from you know safety or whatever um yes yeah, so i guess that was yeah, that was. The I think it's thing. really interesting because I hadn't <clears throat> actually known <clears throat> that, in fact, that was not part of the original script. And in a way, that was uh, a, a, really, a, I suppose, a result of collaboration and discussion. Uh, and yet, it, it it is what, on the one hand, we can say, so what? You know, I mean, uh, Daryl, you know, had had a, a na- you know naked scene. He was walking around, so on. But actually. It's not as loaded because we're used to seeing men, men's bodies um, uh, and we're used to seeing female bodies on display, but but never, never um, a woman in her 60s. Uh, we're not. It's just uh, not something that's that's considered. Um, you know what? I actually at one point I, I got nervous that, you know, that Emma fit too closely into the kind of body ideal for it to, to make an impact because I, I had this moment of like, well, I mean, if you're with Emma, she's like the closest to the kind of ideal body of any, you know, of, of most people, do you know? And and so I was like, is this going to feel like other women look at this and go, oh, no, that makes me feel worse about myself because actually, you know, she just looks too perfect, you know. And what's interesting about it is even people that saw it, I remember my mum seeing it and and she's used to kind of women of all sorts of bodies and, and that and even she had a little moment of like kind of a being a bit shocked and it's because of like we just don't see untreated bodies ever so um so it's it's just still such a shock for us although we see untreated bodies in our lives all the time yes I mean, absolutely comfortable, yes yes you know yeah hope. yeah yeah but yeah, it is. We people often ask us, you know, if, if Emma's brave for doing it, you know, and um, it's a loaded question because, on the one hand, of course, and all actors are brave, and of course, Emma's brave because we know the world we live in and the kind of judgment that comes with that. And on the other hand, bravery in that instance implies that she's like, oh, imagine showing that body to the world. That's bravery when, like, if you had like Daryl's body, that's not brave, you know. And, and and that's troubling in, in so many ways, you know, um, for, for so many reasons. I know, yeah. I know, I know, I hear you. It's, it's complicated. Um, Sophie, I wish we could talk all, more, uh, all, uh, all morning. Um, I have so many more things I, I would love to t- chat to you about, but I do want to ask you finally, do you think we're rounding a corner in terms of representation of older women generally, um, do you think our perceptions are changing? Do you see more representation around you? Or do you think there's a ways to go? 
Um, look, I think that we have been seeing stories for so many years made by the same people and with the same point of view. So if you keep having the same kinds of people telling stories, you keep getting the same point of view. And the only way to shift that is to have different people telling the stories. And that when I say that, I mean like really different. Like, so what I'm sick of as an audience is seeing the same kind of story on repeat, the same filmmakers on repeat. And so when we talk about a diversity of voices, we're not talking about sort of um, just token ideas of that, but expanding our vision so that we actually see more of the, you know, reflection of humanity. Um, and, and try and sort of see into other people's point of view, not just the same ones. So the only way that that representation shifts for me is in looking at who's telling the stories and making that something that's important. Because until that happens, we can put all the older women we want on screen, but it won't make a singular bit of difference. Um, yes, I, I think it's interesting you say that this is something that is, uh, you know, a very, very strong driving force for WIFT Ireland. This is a, uh, you know, something that we lobby for all the time. Um, who's behind the camera is, that's where the power lies in many ways to shift uh, a lot of uh, a lot of things. Um, yeah, but it does require people like Emma, who's in front of the camera. It does. It's all, it's a, yeah, it's a dance, isn't it? But, uh, but we have to be aware of that. Um, it has been an absolute uh, pleasure, uh, Sophie, really, real pleasure. And I know you don't know this probably, but I would guarantee you that your film will show up on so many research papers uh, going forward. It's, it is quite an important uh, film. Uh, and um, it's, it's wonderful for me as a researcher to see, uh, to see it and to understand something of the process of making it. Uh, it's Thanks been a so pleasure talking to you. Thank, Thank you so much for joining us. We, we very, very much appreciate it. Thanks so much. If you would like to support Women in Film and Television Ireland, join us today on wft.ie.